Good morning, Fellowship Fable. How are we? Great. If you're with us on live stream this morning, uh, welcome. My name is David. I'm one of the worship leaders here at Fellowship Fayetteville, and uh, we're so glad that you're here. Good to see your faces. Um, th this past week, we had our a young adult gathering on Tuesday night, and I met a young man by the name of Jake, and it was the first time that, I've, that I ever met Jake, and uh, I'm sitting there talking to Jake, hearing his story, and he begins to tell me a little bit about what his last year has looked like. And um, he comes from a, a, parents, uh, a family of divorced parents. And he said his whole life, he just moved from place to place. It never felt like he had a home. And then over the last year, he said he had lost a job. He had lost two jobs and was at a place where he was just feeling alone. And as I stopped and thought about it, uh, I was like, that's probably true of a lot of, a lot of people maybe here this morning. That over the last year, maybe you lost a job. Maybe you've never really felt like, like a home or, or connected to um, a group of people. So I asked Jake, I said, Jake, so why, why did you decide to come to the, the gathering tonight? And he said, well, I was kind of tired of sitting at home alone and I wanted to see some people. Um, and what he didn't know is what he said there was actually really profound and I think a little bit of an indicator of a longing that we each have to feel seen, to feel heard, and to be around people. And uh, in the book of Colossians, it's, it's, it's a letter written to a, just a little house church of, of a small group of people trying to walk with God, gathering. And uh, the author tells them, hey, whenever you gather, encourage one another with songs and hymns and spiritual songs, encouraging one another and admonishing one another. And what's really cool is this morning we get to do what churches, and when I say church, I mean people gathered together have done from the beginning of time. Come together, be unified and edified by each other, by hearing each other sing songs, hearing each other sing truths that maybe we need to hear of our own story. So I want you to do me a favor this morning. Would you stand? And I want us to take a moment just to look around, just to bring attention to the fact that you're not alone this morning, that there's people here. So take a moment and just look around and remind yourself of that. I want us to read this prayer together, and then I want to encourage you this morning to sing out. You don't know what the person beside you is walking through, and maybe they need to hear the truth from your mouth sung over them this morning. So let's read this prayer together, and then let's, let's sing together. Lord, Thank you for inviting us into your presence. Thank you for hearing us as we sing and speaking to us through the words that we sing. Lord, we long to draw near to you this morning. Would you draw near to us? Thank you for the cross, for cleansing us and making us one with you. Amen. So this morning, I wanna encourage you to sing out. Oh, 
Father, thank you this morning for your blood that washes us, Lord, that unifies us, that brings us together. Lord, we are here for you. Would you make yourself known to us through the songs that we sing? Lord, would you bring encouragement to the person in here this morning that needs it through the words that we sing and through your word? God, we give this morning to you. It's your name we pray. Amen. You have a seat. Welcome, fellowship. Hello. How are y'all doing? You excited to be here? Hey, I am. Hey, my name is Brian Pope. I'm the Global Outreach Director here at Fellowship. I'm so pumped to welcome y'all this morning. You know, recently, my wife and I, we had this investment opportunity drop in our laps. And we know absolutely nothing about investing. So we did what we normally did when a, when a big decision uh, comes in our lives. We took out our lucky coin and we said, should we invest in this or should we not? And we flipped the coin. And guess what? <laughs> Thank you, invest. No, that's not what we did. What did I do? I called up people who were much wiser than I am and I sought out wisdom. And I said, hey, here's the opportunity. What should we do? And that helped drive our decision. And the reason I bring that up is because if you are about to get married, if you're engaged or if you're seriously dating somebody, that's what merge is. It is getting around people who maybe just have a little more wisdom about this glorious thing called marriage. I mean, it is the second, outside of your relationship with Christ, it is the second most important relationship that you're gonna have. Why would you not seek people's wisdom? And so I encourage you, if you're engaged, if you're seriously dating, please sign up for merch. Hey, also July 4th in here, we're gonna have a family service. We're gonna do something a little bit different. So please, parents, just bring your kids. We're gonna just enjoy the extra energy that is in here. Hey, and finally, it tells us in Romans 12:1 to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, which is our spiritual service of worship. And we hear these verses and we think about it like, what does that mean? A lot of times we just read through it, present our bodies as a living sacrifice. What that means is that daily we choose to walk up onto the altar and say, God, my life is a sacrifice. Whatever you want, whatever you ask me to do, I'm willing to do it. And I wanted to introduce you to three special people this morning, Austin, Joe, and Abby. And the reason that I say that is because I believe that they're living examples of that verse, that they are about to be sent out as some of our future global workers. And they are just saying, hey, God, here's my body. Here's my dreams. Here's my passions. Here's my skills. Here's my gifting. It's all for you. And we showed a video a couple of months ago about uh, what we're trying to do globally and where we're sending people. And, and these are some of the next three, some of our best that we are sending out. Now, Austin, the next step, uh, I think it happens up here in, in August, you're gonna go to Mexico, but you're not going to Mexico in order to do missions. So why are you going to Mexico? Yeah, so we're going to Mexico to receive 10 months of training on the front end before we go overseas 
so that we can have a good foundation to begin with. We wanna be able to stay long-term in order to see the task of seeing a church planted amongst an unreached people group. We wanna see that finished. So we wanna get quality training on the front end. So this training is put on through an organization called Radius, and the training will consist of a lot of different things, but some of the main components of the training will be training in providing a good biblical foundation in what we're doing. Um, we'll get training in language learning because we'll have to learn another language to present the gospel in a clear way. And then we'll also get training in kind of what it means to truly suffer for the name of Christ because it's not an easy task at hand, but it's a task that's worthy. Yeah, and so matter of fact, I think we have a map. Uh, if we can put it up there, they're actually being trained to go to this area of the world. And why this area of the world? Well, this area of the world, there's about three billion people that live there with almost no access to the gospel. And if you know anything about the world, if you just look at it, you know it's also so, maybe some of the most dangerous and difficult places that you could live, and so that's what they're being trained for. Joe, we often talk about, I know you've used the term of like, hey, join, join our team. And, and so what exactly does that mean to join somebody's uh, team uh, globally? Yeah, so what we're looking for in order to do this are two things. One, prayer, and two, financial support. And so we get excited about the body of fellowship investing in us uh, individually so that uh, we know people are investing in God's kingdom to see an unreached people group reached. And so, uh, yeah, famous missionary once said, hey, I will go down the mountain if you'll hold the ropes. And so that looks like uh, just us coming together as a body of Christ and, and supporting each other financially and prayerfully. Yeah, so out of Fellowship's budget, they receive, each one of them receives 7% of their total support. And so anytime you give, thank you, you're giving to help out their support. But that also means that 93% of what they live on needs to come from the body, from individuals in the body. And so we just ask uh, for your help. And, and basically, the most basic thing that it means is if you are interested in getting the gospel into one of these areas that it's not, is just joining that team and saying, hey, I wanna be a part of that. Abby, we just wanted to ask you, what is something practical that people, besides them going, what is something practical that they can do to be a part of God's global mission? Yeah, so obviously we talked about giving and being a part in that way, but I think the most important thing is just prayer. Um, praying for the unreached people groups that we're going to step into, that their hearts would be softened to hearing the gospel for the first time ever, and that they would receive that with joy, but also praying for us. Like, I am terrified to go to a place that I've never been and to um, have this task on our shoulders, but I know and um, trust that it is God's plan that you all would be praying for us, and even just praying that through the hard times that we would continue, that you would encourage us to continue, because it is a worthy task, and we want to see it completed at any cost, but that won't be possible without the help of prayer and support from you all as our church. Yeah, and so just to put stuff in perspective, we're not talking about them going somewhere for a week or two weeks or a month uh, or even a year. We're talking they're signing up to go and serve overseas 15 to 20 years uh, at least and, and possibly longer uh, to see the work done. So fellowship, we want to invite you uh, to pray for them. 
and we're going to do that right now. And I'm going to ask you, you know, there's different forms uh, of, of, of worship that we do, and, and raising our hands uh, is one of those. And so I'm going to ask you all to stand and just kind of point your hands uh, towards these three as we commission them and uh, begin to send them out. Uh, we're also going to ask, they're going to be in the foyer uh, after the service, and so please come and just talk to them, get to know them uh, on a personal level. Let's pray. Dear God, we're just not praying for three strangers. We're praying for our church family here, dear Lord. We're also praying for some of my best friends, uh, God, that I've served with over the past few years who've been involved with this church, been cell leaders. Dear Lord, been involved in our international ministry, have been residents for us. And God, we thank you that they've chosen to be a living sacrifice, just to say, God, whatever you want me to do, wherever you'd have me go, I'm not even sure yet, but I want to be trained and I want to be equipped to go. God, we thank you for this body that has a global vision, dear Lord. Everybody has a role to play, and God, we just pray that we can just get behind them and send them as we are sent, that we would send you. Dear Lord, that's what it says in 3 John that they are going out for the sake of the name. God, we pray because of the work that they're doing. We pray because of the prayers of this body. We pray because of the financial support that the gospel will go into areas that it is not, that people will be hearing the gospel for the very first time. God, we pray that eternities are changed and we pray that a church is planted because of the work that they're doing. It's your name. Amen. This is Hebrews 10, 19 through 22. You can go ahead and stay standing. We're about, we're about to sing a hymn together. It says, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, hear this, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. So this morning, I wanna invite you to praise the Lord together with thankfulness in our hearts for his mercy that he has lavished on us. Let's sing this together. Praise the Lord, His mercy is more, it's stronger than darkness, new every morn, our sins they are many, His mercy What love? What love could remember, Lord? 
suffer for his mercy. That's on you this morning. Thank him for that. thank you for this morning. Thank you for your grace that you have lavished on us. God, thank you for your mercy. God, not giving us what we deserve because of the times that we have turned from you and sought our own comfort, control. God, thank you for your mercy this morning. Would you teach us from your word that we may leave here different than how we came in? God, we give it to you. It's your name we pray. Good old Keith Green song. Mary Beth and I were talking about that earlier. It was Keith Green, Mary Beth. How many of you listened to that on a cassette a long time ago? <laughs> yeah. This morning, is, if we could bring the lights up. As I left Bentonville, uh, at every overpass, every access point on 49, there were police and emergency personnel gathered to honor Officer Kevin Apple, who was killed in the line of duty yesterday in Pea Ridge. And it was a moving sight to see all of them there. And it reminded me this morning of our gatekeepers and emergency personnel here at Fellowship and the job that they do on all of our campuses at every service, working hard to keep us safe every week. And I've asked them to come into the service and give us the opportunity, if you all would stand and just honor them for their service to us every single week. to know that we don't take your service for granted, not just on the weekends, but what you do throughout the week, every day of the year, and so we are extremely grateful for you. So thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. 
Thank God for their service. And uh, I also want to take the time this morning. Uh, John Dyer and Doug Walker have just completed their service on the elder board, and I just wanted to say thank you for them for their service. I know we're in the book of Hebrews in chapter 10, and we'll start in verse 19, but I want you to hang out with me in 2 Timothy for just a moment. Think about the correlation between our passages. Paul. An apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dear son. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus, our Lord. I thank God whom I serve as my forefathers did with a clear conscience. As night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I've been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and which I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I urge you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, Timothy but a spirit of power and love and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed to testify of our Lord or ashamed of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. And it has now been revealed to us through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald, an apostle, and a teacher. That's why I'm suffering as I am, but I'm not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard that which I have committed to him for that day. That day. That day. The day when we will stand before God. Throughout the scriptures, that day is mentioned over and over again. You'll see it in Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Zephaniah, Malachi, Luke, Paul. This is Gary Harold's old definition of the day of the Lord. Any day God moves in judgment, leading to the ultimate and final day of judgment. It's when it's all over down here. And we stand before God. We need to live every moment of our lives making sure we are prepared and we are ready. We need to live every day in light of that day. You know, over 40 years of vocational ministry, I've been with a lot of people as they were dying. They're not talking about the hogs. They don't really care what's going on with the weather outside. 
There's certainly no gossiping or lying or anything like that. They're thinking about that next step. Why was Paul so concerned about that day? And in Hebrews, why will we see a focus on that day as we study it today? It's because it's eternity. It's what lasts forever. The ephemeral is gone and and the eternal is about to be our next step. And that's where our focus should be. So let me ask you, what is the ultimate for you? What's the long game? What what are you living your life for? And are you doing everything in your power to align your life for that moment when we take that last breath? If we don't, we do so to our own peril. I want you to listen to Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. This is such a pivotal point of Scripture. With our young worship leaders through the years, uh, I've always had them memorized as I met with them for a period of time, usually a year. But this is one of the passages I have them memorized. You just ask David Matthews. He'll quote it for you, okay? Just catch him off guard. Say, hey, could you say 10, 19 through 25 for me? Such a pivotal point for us, but just listen to it. This is from the New Living Translation, just a little different flavor from what we'll study later. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts fully trusting Him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts and of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. But encourage one another. Especially now. That the day of his appearing is drawing near. This passage is a turning point in the book of Hebrews. I've so enjoyed this study of Hebrews. But this is a turning point. Here we move from looking at, from from doctrine to duty. We move from precept to practice. In other words, all of these theological principles and doctrine that we have learned up to this point, from this point forward, he's going to tell us how to live it out. And so let's take notes and let's pay attention to what he's saying to us. The first statement. Begin with the word, therefore. And since. Therefore, since. Because of what we studied up to this point, here is what we need to put into action. He's looking back. 
in reminding us that we are new covenant people. People who have been born into this new covenant and our sins have been forgiven. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God. Let's stop right there. Now, I know the chapters and verses weren't added until the 12th and 13th century to help us navigate the scriptures more easily. But a huge chunk of the book of Hebrews, going back five chapters using those chapters and verses, the last five chapters, he's been making the case that Jesus is our high priest. You've been teaching on it, Michael. Jesus is our high priest, that, that Christ's priesthood is superior to the Levitical priesthood, that the new covenant is superior to the Mosaic covenant. And note that he's talking to believers. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. You see, the high priest passed through a veil. It was a curtain to enter the most holy place, the very presence of God. To make atonement for the sins of the people. But the writer says that we have confidence now because of the blood of Jesus to enter that holy place. We don't have a surrogate entering the holy place for us. That was the old covenant. But now because of the new covenant, we can enter God's presence made possible by Christ. His sacrifice is sufficient to make us worthy. To declare us righteous. As we enter the presence of God. You don't feel worthy? Boy, some heads came up with that. Neither do I. But it's not what we think or what we feel. It's what God's word says. That when we've been covered by the blood of Christ, that's what God sees. We'll talk more about that. He says, by a new and living way. The Greek word for new is prosphatos, and it means recently killed or freshly slain. It's, it's a freshly slain way. How appropriate for our study today. Freshly slain. It's, it's a living way because of the eternal efficacy of Christ's sacrifice on our behalf. He is enough. And this is opened for us through the curtain that is his body. It seems to be an allusion to the ripping of the temple curtain that we found back in Matthew chapter 27 as Christ died on the cross. Look at what it says. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Only God could have done such a thing. Now this is just an image but that curtain of the temple was 60 feet high, 60 feet high, 30 feet wide, and four inches thick. Four inches thick. That was not a man-made deal. When Christ died, it was ripped in two. There were two curtains in that inner sanctum. There was one before the holy place and then another before the most holy place, the holy of holies. Where in the first temple period, God's presence resided. And that's where the high priest entered. But it was ripped in two, signifying to us 
that we could enter now the presence of God, that we didn't have to have a high priest. That whenever you call on the name of God, he never turns his face away. Whenever you call his name, he's listening. Whenever you confess your sins, he's listening. Whenever you have a need or a prayer, he's listening. He's responding. It's so significant for you and me that we have access to the very heart of God. We should be so grateful for that. So based on all this, the writer of Hebrews has been making a case for us, and he gives us three exhortations. And one good way to remember it, if you're a salad lover, is lettuce. Okay? Lettuce. Remember these three lettuces that we're going to give you today. The first one is let us draw near to God. Because we can, let us draw near to God. And the second one, let us hold unswervingly. Hang on to that word, unswervingly, to the hope we profess. And then the third one is let us consider how we may spur one another on to love and good deeds. And let's break those down together. Let us draw near to God with a true heart, with a pure heart, not with a half heart. You know, I'm afraid that we treat our faith as just one facet of our life, just another facet of our lives. We have our job, we have our family, and then we have our faith. It's just a facet of our lives rather than the most important facet of our lives. Let us draw near to God. It's so important that we do that. You know, th this whole aspect of, of being too casual with our faith and treating God like our buddy. Is he our friend? Absolutely, he's our friend. But we should approach him with love and reverence and respect. And always remember that he is God. You remember Uzzah? Uzzah, as they were transporting the ark, the ark had been at his father Abinadab's house. And so I think Uzzah got familiar with the ark. It was just that thing that was there at the house. And when it came time to transport the ark, number one, they didn't transport it in the way God had told them to. And, and they weren't observing what God had said about how the ark was to be cared for. And when the, ark, uh, when the ox stumbled, which it wasn't supposed to be transported by an ox, when the ark stumbled, Uzzah reached up and touched the ark. Remember what happened to him? He died right there on the spot. He was just too casual with it. Even though we have access to the throne of grace, even though we're told to draw near to God, we do so with reverence and respect. We don't need to treat our faith as just one facet of our life. It's everything. It's everything. With the full assurance, a certainty, a certainty that faith brings. Our faith in God is what nurtures full assurance. If one says my faith is weak, then we're not taking into full account the marvelous work God has done on our behalf. And that next statement Having our bodies sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. I've just finished doing a lot of reading in, in, in the Old Testament and, 
And you would see that as a sacrifice were made, the sprinkling of the blood, which symbolized the, the cleansing, the cleansing that only comes from God. There's a song that that reminds me of. It's called Clean. If you're not familiar with Clean by Natalie Grant, I encourage you sometime just in your quiet space, go find that song. But this is what it says. I see shattered, you see whole. I see broken, but you see beautiful. And you're helping me to believe that you're restoring me piece by piece. There's nothing too dirty that you can't make worthy. You wash me in mercy. I am clean. If you've never heard that song, go find it. That's what he does for us. It's through the blood of Christ that we are washed. Just feel it washing over you to make you clean. He says like pure water. But what's the problem with us? Guilt. Guilt is the gift that keeps on giving, right? Oh, it's not from God. God doesn't use guilt to motivate you. Satan uses guilt to trample you. God wants you to draw near to, him, near to him. Remember, he cast our sin as far as the east is from the west and remembers it no more. He throws it to the bottom of the sea and puts up a sign that says no fishing. When it's done, it's done. He's covered your sin with the blood of Christ. We don't have to run and hide from God like Adam and Eve did. Remember what they did? After they sinned, they ran and they hid from God. They covered themselves with leaves. They felt guilty because of what they had done. But God wanted them to draw near. That's such a beautiful, beautiful story there. The book of James chapter 4 and verse 8 tells us to draw near. It's to come to him. It reminds us of Hebrews 4.16. I'm not sure who taught that passage here, but we hearken back to that where it says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, not with fear, not with guilt, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. That Greek word, draw near, is also rendered as come. Come. At the end of every Billy Graham crusade, my mother always made us watch Billy Graham when he came on TV. There was Cliff Barrels at the end. What song did they sing? Just as I am. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. And that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. I come. Let me give you a little hint. Find the lyrics to that song because for years I've used that first verse. When I am tempted, when I'm tempted in any way, that's a key for me to go to those words. It's a prayer. And I'll say to the Lord, Lord, just as I am, it's just me. And the only plea I have is that your blood was shed for me. That's all I've got. And now, you bid me come. 
you, you invite me, you beckon me to come to you? And I'll say, O Lamb of God, I come. I come. It's amazing what perspective that gives you. To say, Lord, my only plea is your blood. And you're, you're inviting me to draw near, even though I'm a sinner. Okay, I come. I come. It helps you get back in the right place. To restore that fellowship with God. The relationship is always there, but to restore that fellowship with Him. I encourage you to use that. The next let us exhortation is let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. In other words, God keeps his word. He says something, he's going to do it. God is going to follow through with his promises. So let's hold unswervingly. Another paraphrase says let us keep a tight grip on the hope we have made our own. Knowing that God always keeps his word. It's getting harder and harder to keep a tight grip on our faith, isn't it? We live in a culture, in a world that's preaching a different gospel. And the world looks down on us when we hold tightly to our faith, when we say the scripture is preeminent. And we will follow what this word says with all of our hearts. Whatever the culture may say, whether it's popular or not, that's what we will follow. Our world and our nation has never looked more like Sodom. And we saw what God did there. It was like in Sodom, if, if you thought it and you thought it was right in your own mind, then it was okay to do it regardless of who you hurt. And let me remind you of this, that sin is communal. You never keep sin to yourself. It affects the entire community. When we sin or we, we let sin go. But there's a giant problem with that type of thinking. Is they're not thinking about the day. The day when we stand before God. We need to remember Proverbs 13, 12. If you haven't memorized this verse, you need to memorize it. It says, there is the way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. We might convince ourselves or be convinced by someone or be convinced by the mob that something is okay or it's right. It may appear to be right, but if it doesn't line up with God's word, it's wrong. And it leads to death. And you and I are the ones who have to hold the line. And say look to God's word. It's a battle for the hearts and minds and souls of our children. And we have to stand firm. Hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. There's another aspect of holding unswervingly to the hope that we profess. It's one thing to keep a tight grip when the fierce winds are blowing. It's quite another to just quit. To just quit. Oh, that serving the Lord, going to church, that was just something I did. But, you know, I'm, I'm pretty much done with that. 
to just walk away or, or say, you know what, I, I think I'll just go to church from home from now on. No. No, that's not God's best for us. Or we get enamored with other activities and we want to do something else. There's no long-term commitment to obedience. I read a story this week uh, uh, from George Guthrie who talked about a young boy named Martin Rao. When he was six years old, he was on a tractor with his dad. The tractor rolled over and Martin lost the use of one of his arms and damaged the other. Six years old. He was in the hospital and he heard his mom and dad outside his hospital room talking about how they were going to pay that huge hospital bill. It was $32,000. It must have been a while ago. And his mother was weeping, saying she didn't know what they were going to do. And when they came into Martin's room, he told them at six years old that he was going to pay it. When Martin got out of the hospital, he started picking up Coke bottles along the side of the road, or Coke soft drink bottles. Now, for those of you who are younger... I meant to stop by my office this morning but I, because I have three soft drink bottles in my office. My, my grandparents had an old grocery store in a farming country, and I have an RC Cola bottle and a Barks root beer bottle and a Frosty root beer bottle in there. And yeah. And uh, so some of us would go along the side of the road. You know, back then you didn't have air conditioners in your car, and people would just throw the, the soft drink bottles out, out their window. And a kid like me, who needed a little money, we would go along the side of the road and pick up those bottles and take them back to the grocery store, and they'd give you two cents for them, for the bottles. And so every day, Martin would pick up bottles along the side of the road. And, and then he found out that he could make money off cans, and so he started picking up cans along the side of the road. The Reynolds Aluminum Company heard what he was doing, and they started giving him scrap metal. And then another company did the same. And five years after his accident, little Martin Rao, 11 years old now, walked to the hospital, into the hospital, and gave them $32,000 that he had saved up. A long obedience in the right direction is what we need. Remembering the day is coming. And not just to quit not just to get enamored with something else that captures your attention, but to stay focused on what God has in front of us. We need to be determined. There's one more lettuce here. I'm going to go quickly. And let us consider how we may spur one another on to love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. When is the last time you stopped and thought about, I wonder how I can encourage that person? To encourage them to, to spur them on to love and good deeds. That's, that's what Paul did back when he was speaking to Timothy. He was spurring him on. I urge you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power and love and self-discipline. When's the last time you thought about that? Just to wake up in the morning and as a part of your prayer time saying, you know what? I'm going to encourage this person today. I'm going to give this person a call. Or I haven't seen him in a while. I'm going to call her. 
just to think about encouraging one another and spur us on to love and good deeds. Here's a truth that we need to remember. We need one another. We are not a rock. We're not an island. We need one another. It's interesting to me that as God looked at Adam in Genesis chapter 2, he said, it's not good for man to be alone. Now, here's the incredible part of it. Adam had communion with God, with God himself there in the Garden of Eden. But God said he needs someone like him. It's not good for man to be alone. And that's still true today. We may think we're a rock, we're an island, but we're not. We need one another. We have just come through a time where we've been masked up, we've been isolated, we've been away from one another. And if you agree with me, raise your hand. Zoom just doesn't do it. Yeah. We need the community. We need the culture. We need the collaboration. We need the connection with one another. We need to remember that God didn't intend for us to be alone. We are the church. We are the called out ones. And together we serve. Together we are spurred on to love and good deeds. We need one another. These three who stood up here this morning to tell you about God's calling on their life. I had lunch with Austin this week. When Abby was a resident with, with us, I, we prayed for her brother for a year. Have a relationship with him. They need you. They you need you to be a part of their lives. I'm going to be a prayer partner with them. But we need one another. And so this year, this year we're going to focus on this. We want to be shoulder to shoulder in worship. We want to be face to face in small groups. And we want to be arm in arm in serving the Lord and one another. We need that terribly over this next year to get back down, to double down and take our faith seriously and walk with him together. We need, to, we need the kind of relationship that Paul had with Timothy. They work together to plant churches, to make a difference for the sake of the gospel. And why did they do it? Because they saw the day approaching. Because they looked back and they saw what God had done for them. And it spurred them on to the day, to look forward to it, not to dread it. You know, when I'm driving to Dallas, the nearer I get to Dallas, the more signs I see about Dallas. And it tells me it's getting closer. And the further I go in life, the closer I see the day is. At least it's closer than it was yesterday. I need to take my faith seriously and remember what God has in store for me and for you. So the exhortations are this. Let us draw near to God. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. And let us consider how we may spur one another on to love and good deeds. And all the more as we see the day approaching. Would you bow for a moment?
Oh God, awaken our hearts to the truth of your word. To the significance of your word. To the significance of your call on our lives. To that still small voice within us that says, come. Draw near. And so, Lord, in this place, I want to reflect, am I taking my faith seriously as I'm examining my own heart? Am I living my life in light of that day that is coming? Oh, Lord, in these moments, help us to come to you. Help us come to you with a heart that is filled with assurance. Having our hearts washed and cleansed. And may we renew our commitment to you and to one another.
final heartbeat, kiss the world goodbye, and go in peace and laugh on glory's side. Fly to Jesus, fly to Jesus, fly to Jesus, and Won't that be a moment? <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. Fly to Jesus. You know, Charlotte Elliott was a lady much like you and me. She, she was having a difficult time with life, and she was pessimistic and frustrated. And One night her family was at the dinner table, and they had a guest with them. He was speaking at their church. And Charlotte had an outburst that embarrassed her family so bad that her whole family got up and left. And she was just sitting there with the guest. And he said, Charlotte, you're tired of yourself, aren't you? And she said, yeah. I really am. And he told her that she needed to come to Jesus just as she was. And all of her anger and bitterness just come to Jesus. And that night she gave her heart to Christ. Then years later, she would write those words, just as I am, without one plea, but that your blood was shed for me. And now you bids me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. I come. So all of us, regardless of what's going on around you, how frightened you may be or frustrated, come to Jesus and live because the day is approaching. If you'd like to pray with someone this morning in our prayer room to your right and my left, there'd be folks there, Stuart and Grace, to pray with you. But they'd also like to hear your praises. If you've got a praise, you just want to praise God for it, then stop by there. God bless you, everyone. Have a great week.